What's up, guys? I'm Justin Wilman. You're watching Lobster and Beer TV. This is a card. That's a watch. <laughs> <laughs> my lobster. The beer disappeared. Good job. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Lobster and Beer TV. I'm your host, Brian Thompson. Today's guest doesn't really need an introduction. He is arguably the most famous magician in the world right now. And you probably know him from his hit Netflix show, Magic for Humans, that he writes, produces, and stars in. He's made regular appearances on The Tonight Show, Ellen, Conan, as well as hosted shows like Cupcake Wars, Win, Loser, Draw, King of Cones, and Netflix's newest show, Faking Impossible. Big Al and I have been big fans of this man for a while, so we're very, we're very, very excited for this moment. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, coming to us live from Los Angeles, California with a lobster and a beer, Justin and I thought only Scott Avick got introductions like that. <laughs> I didn't realize you, you you give that out to just anybody. That's really nothing. Thank you guys. It's uh, it's not it's not every time, man. But uh, you know, we uh, when we started this show, we said that it's not about clickbait. It's more about bringing on people that we are genuinely interested in. And the premise of it is to just sit around like we're at the pub and have a conversation. And it's very rare that I've been to the pub with someone that I don't really want to hang out with unless I was like 21 on a Tinder date. <laughs> That's the, yeah. The pub, the pub is for the homies. Yeah. Pub is for the homies. And um, I feel bad, man. Cause I honestly, uh, I hope you didn't question my homie ship when you got the beer that was sent to you. I might've questioned it. You might have questioned it. Yeah. Yeah. And so before we dive in, I, I got to be honest about this. So we sent you a Sam Adams, which yeah. is the equivalent of like, it's like the Walmart of craft beer. And Alec uh -huh. was pissed at me when we were doing <laughs> I it. I was. But there's a reason why I did it. So you know where Sam Adams is made? It's made in Massachusetts. Absolutely. Not only is that where you went to college, but- do you know who's from Adams, Massachusetts? I believe that'd be Penn Gillette. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's pretty spot on. We might have to fact check that. But the most Wait. famous Susan <laughs> of all is yeah. from Adams, Massachusetts, and that's Susan B. Anthony. So Damn. this, Good. Justin, is beer for Susan. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's not a Walmart beer anymore, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the yeah. <laughs> I think it was real. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is my son's play kitchen. And <laughs> let me see if he's got a play bottle opener here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can. Ooh, <laughs> there we go. That was, that was clean. Cheers, brother. Cheers, Cheers on the show, man. Cheers. It's an honor. Look at that. <laughs> and honestly, the right seasonal, there's nothing wrong with the Sam Adams. It's very true. Yeah, I don't I don't mean to I'm I actually grew up right outside of Boston. 
So, Where? Uh, Andover, Massachusetts. Sure. Which is like 25 minutes north of the city. Yeah, I know it well. I used to do, when I was going to Emerson College, I used to do kids' birthday parties all over New England. Oh, Not really? Sure. So, yeah. The, uh, what is it, 495? 495. 495, yeah. Yeah, within that huge, you know, one hour radius where you could go. There's so many towns, all packed, little different niches. And yeah, we could do kids' birthday parties and farm by mitzvahs on the weekends. Oh, that's awesome. I want to I want to jump back into the the beginnings of your career, but before we do that, let's hop into this lobster roll here. So, yeah. we ask every guest to add a special ingredient to the roll, and you what did you decide to add to this roll? I added curry. Do you know who's from Curry, Massachusetts? I do not. We should find we should figure out. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love I it. Made up something. You really, you really could have. <laughs> I was excited. I thought you were about to hit us with something. <laughs> but yeah, let's, say, let's yeah. bite into this, man. Let's see what it's all about. Oh, amazing. Mmm. Mmm. That's really good. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh wow. Wow. I honestly, I'll, and it's rare that I say this, but this is probably second favorite so far. Mm. I mean, I say every single one is my favorite. But that's because um, you, you just don't get to eat lobster. And, and, so, yeah. and so I'm going to say, this is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really good, man. The curry and the mayo actually mix really well. It's great. And then I, of course, also uh, melted a stick of butter just... You can't tell me melting a stick of butter is optional. No, 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 no. That's (laughs) well, I did actually put that in the instructions because it was mayo based. I said optional. (laughs) That's no, that's yeah, exactly. That's clutch. I mean, the butter makes the whole roll. Did you uh, did you put the rolls like on the actual stove and yeah? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you like is lobster something that you've liked to enjoy in the past? Lobster is a big part of my life. Like since I was a kid. Like lobster's always been like my goat. Like, what's your favorite food? It's lobster, always lobster. Every birthday dinner, my parents would take me for lobster. Um, it's just my I love I love lobster. It's like my special occasion thing. Yeah. So when you, when you email me like, hey, you want some free lobster? Not just any lobster, but like a real lobster roll, the real stuff. Yeah. And, and oh, and some beer. Uh, you know, it's hard. To- <laughs> <laughs> at that point, it doesn't feel like work at all. It's- no. But it hit me. It was my, yeah, it was my happy place. If you would have been like, hey, you want to cook some pad thai? I would have been like, I mean, that sounds good, but I don't, I don't need free pad thai, but lobster, it's like gold. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, baby. That works. <laughs> On to something there, I guess. Well, man, yeah. um, first of all, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what you do. And uh, I know it's common because I've watched not only your show on Netflix, but uh, different interviews you've done, like with the one with Google and stuff, and people always jump on and say your show is, you know, one of our favorites in our household. And speaking for me and my girlfriend, and I know Big yep. Al as well, it's uh, it's something that we. And what was crazy is I I never heard of it until I was living in um, right off of Franklin in Hollywood uh, last year before I moved to Arizona, and this uh, musician friend of mine moved in with me. And every night he would just put your show on, on repeat. And so I I was just kind of forced into watching it. 
you know, I, uh, no, but I ended up, I ended up, you know, I ended up sitting there. I was like, wow, this dude blows my mind. And then I'd started to dig into it. And then we, I moved to Arizona and, you know, I wasn't living with him anymore. And I, I, I hadn't watched the show for a while and I didn't even know that Big Al reached out to you. And then when I saw the email back, I was like, oh, no way. Is this, no, this can't be. And then I looked it up. I was like, he must love lobster and beer. I don't know why he's on with us right now. This is incredible. But man, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible what, what you do. And I, I want to jump into the show. But before that, let's go back to the early days. You grew up in St. Louis? Yeah. Yeah. And how long were you there for? I uh, lived in St. Louis till I was 18 when I went to uh, college at Boston. My family's still in St. Louis. I mean, good, it's a good place. Just one of those good places to be from. Good town, good people, good. It happened to have like a bunch of little magic clubs that would meet regularly, which I think was very like Malcolm Gladwell, coincidental, perfect kind of, you know, set up to yeah, yeah. become obsessed with, with magic. Yeah. That's awesome. But now I've lived in LA for like 20 years, but saying, you know, and you know, LA 20 years equals like five years in any other town. You oh, know? absolutely. Time, yeah. The time flies and you don't really feel like you get to know this place as, as well as you should, but yeah, you jump into this vortex and all of a sudden you wake up and you're in your thirties or forties and you're like, I don't, uh-huh. I don't know you what know, happened. And you wake up, you're eating lobster and drinking beer in your kid's playroom. In the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think you had this as deja vu. <laughs> no, this, this, this is this is fresh. Uh, for the record, does your son always have beers in his uh, small fridge over there? I'm a, I'm very proud. I've trained him well. <laughs> That's yeah, great. I mean, speaking of your son though, too, real quick, is he? Does he have the potential to be the greatest magician ever? I mean, you so you've involved him in tricks since he was right. uh, since he was whatever eight. I don't know. He seemed re- re- young, eight months maybe or so. When you did that episode with him and stuff, I mean, kids' uh, minds are like a sponge. I mean, even at I feel like five years old, you have potential that he might be better than you. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, I think it comes down to one, like if if it just sparks that interest, because I don't know if it if if, if the fact that I do that, I don't know if that increases his chances. Because I, my dad was like an airline pilot, which was cool looking back, and my grandfather. But just the idea of doing the same thing as what my dad did never, like, never crossed my mind. Never really even explored to see if I had an interest. Just because I wanted to do stuff, I wanted to be my own, be my own man. You know what I mean? Of so course, I think yeah. maybe it's it's obviously obviously one or the other. But I'm sure if my dad was a magician, I probably would have felt like, nah, I got to be an airline pilot. Got to do something different. Yeah, of course. I so I I've worked in music for years now, and when I told my parents that I was going to leave college and pursue a music career. My mom being from South Boston was, it was like, Brian, no, you gotta, you gotta finish college and you gotta get a job and then you gotta, you gotta have a family. And, you know, that was the regular, that was the norm for back in the day growing up. And I obviously went against that. And I'm curious, like when you found magic, cause, cause you started doing magic, right? You, you were rollerblading while biking and you hurt yourself pretty bad. Then the ther- like the you know your physical therapist said, hey, you should start doing card tricks or some uh-huh. sort of magic to that's. It's kind of like the it's like the truncated origin story that I've like, you know it it 
essentially, yes, that is true. Like I'm a, I broke my arms, doctor recommended card tricks, and now I'm a magician. Whether or not that was like a cause and effect, like thinking back, well, let's just say, yeah, that's why, because that makes a good story. But also like I explored magic when I was like five and then like again at nine, I just didn't have the attention span for it. Got a magic kit for my birthday. It was like, oh, I'll do this. And then a week later, it was like in the in the closet and I was doing something else. Because I was, <laughs> I think, looking back a little ADD for it. And then when I finally was 13, both my broken arms, I think magic just happened to pop up in my peripheral again. And now I obviously, I I kind of was a captive audience with the, with the cast. And then I was really able to dive in. Oh, yeah. Um, Are we going to ever see it takes like being laid up or you know, or a pandemic and we can't leave the house to like discover a new thing that you would have never absolutely given yourself, given yourself the limitations to think beyond. You yeah. Know? yeah. No, for me, it was, uh, I, I struggled with drugs and alcohol. I ran away from home a bunch and my parents were like, listen, you could be homeless or you can go to this, uh, you know, military style school. And I thought about it for a couple of days, but I finally went, but the catalyst of change for me was finding release and therapy through writing lyrics and performing. And if it wasn't for that, like that tumultuous time in my life, I don't know if I would have found music. And I guess in, in the same, right, you go through something and then it kind of uncovers and that's the whole silver lining idea, I guess. And you, what were you about? Well, to I was going to say too, though, will you, are we ever going to see a, a, a trick that involves you riding a bicycle again with rollerblades? Is that coming at back at that sounds like if I ever need to do like a David Blaine network special, yeah. like, he, he's in a block of ice. I think I would do this rollerblading stunt, but <laughs> this time. Yeah. Dude, uh, so let's go back, dude. You, uh, no, no one wants to see somebody rollerblade, even if there's magic involved. <laughs> there's, there's enough of that on the, uh, the strand in Venice yeah. and Manhattan beach and everything. Uh, so you, you went to college in, in uh in boston at emerson and you were practicing magic then and then after that you felt the inclination it was like i, I have to go to los angeles or what what inspired you to move to la you know it's funny it's like um emerson had like a semester program where you could do your your second semester of your senior year in la which like gives you like a very cozy safety net way to say well let me try it but then you know i I'm not committed, you know, it makes it a little less scary to, uh, to dip your toe in the water. And, um, you know, once I lived here, it kind of became clear, like, oh, I can do the magic and flourish that business, but also like, I don't know, you know, you're surrounded by people who also, you know, want to, want to, you know, be in the spotlight and think they have something to, to say and share. Uh, so it kind of gets the creative juices flowing. I can't imagine anywhere else I'd live. That's what's weird, you know, like I love, I yeah. travel all the time, you know, I'm doing like 200 dates a year on the That's road, awesome. which is, yeah. you know, but, uh, but yeah, it feels like a good place that I like coming home to. But uh, yeah, I was doing kids, you know, kids birthday parties in Boston and then I came out to LA and did the same thing. But as I'm sure, you know, like LA also has this, like, you know, you can get, you, you can get uh, swept into the, the wrong friend group, like cool people, but like sometimes like, oh, you, the, the, the bad habits and the uh, the, the oh, yeah. addiction and abuse that comes out of like, wow, I never would have gone down. I would I never would have dabbled in this if this dude wasn't my neighbor or, you know, did you like, did you did you have a some sort of it, like struggle with that at some point? I did, yeah, I did. I did. Like after 
after LA, after I was in LA for like two or three years, you know, just kind of the, uh, you know, partying, at, you know, with like, you know, the, the uppers and then like trying to have to keep that going for, oh, but I've got to, I got shows, I got shit to do, you know, and you kind of fool yourself into thinking that you can be, that you're actually more productive and you are. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. For a day until you're not, you know? And, yeah. And it can be it, a tough cycle to kick. Yeah. It all, it all catches up at some point and you know and for some people they 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 and for for me especially i reached a rock bottom where you know i was like you know, there was a number of things that happened i went on my first bus tour um and on that tour you know there was a bunch of drugs and everything and i had a girlfriend three years and i cheated on her and at the time i didn't care because i was i was on this cloud where i didn't even care about the people around me but my whole music and everything I did was based around this idea of positivity and love and creating a community. But here I am taking someone who's given me their heart and shared something so special with me and I'm just destroying it. Let alone when I was 14 years old, I was destroyed and by a girl that cheated on me. And finally I woke up one day and I was like, man, I, I don't want to be this person anymore. This doesn't, this, this does not feel good in my heart. I don't want anyone to ever feel the way I felt when I was 15 years old. And it woke me up and that was my rock bottom. And so I'm curious, was there a moment for you where you were like, man, I'm, I'm hitting these uppers, downers. Like I'm trying to live this Los Angeles lifestyle. I need to, I need to turn things around and, and really get on track now. Yeah, I mean, there was, um, you know, it's, it, it often comes out of like relationships, like, you know, your, you know, your, your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend at the time, like uh, I, I was with somebody for three or f maybe three plus years. And you're kind of like hiding this from them, like the person who you yeah. most, should most be honest with in the world, you know, and, and when you kind of, you know, obviously like infidelity is it's a whole different thing and there's a lot of guilt and shame with that and and but like it it is even if you're hiding a drug habit like you're 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 essentially cheating on them you know with this other thing oh yeah oh yeah and um yeah and then when when you kind of get when when you get uh outed you know and it's you know all out in the open now and it's like it's there's all that shame that comes with it and then so so that was kind of a catalyst a very similar thing uh, to how you just described it, just that feeling of like, what the hell am I doing? You know, you're what well, you're, you are sharing like an intimate secret. You're hiding an intimate secret from from somebody who means a lot to you. That can yeah. be the kick in the pants you need. What was the first moment that you had that you were like, wait, like I can actually like, I can make it in this town, and there there's something moving for me. Was there was there kind of like an aha moment where it was like, okay, I am on the right path, like. I am validated for having this passion and chasing it. You know, when you are, you know, like when you, when you get your shit together and you get healthy again, like you realize like, wow, I didn't, I thought this thing was making me better and funnier and like more talented. When you realize like, wow, it was like totally clouding my ability to express and my ability to have any self-awareness about like, how I'm coming across. Like, so you, I remember when I would start doing magic again after, after, 
you know, six months out of like this uh, sober living place, I felt like I, 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 wow, I never, it's like a whole new experience. Cause I'm like, I feel like in the moment and at the top of my game. So that was like an initial burst of endorphins that just, yeah. just by realizing like, wow, like the thing that I think I'm put on this earth for, I can now do, this is how it's supposed to feel when I do it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then I started touring. I kind of phased out of doing like kids parties and started doing, um, uh, colleges. I kind of uh, started, dove right into doing these NACA conferences where you, Oh yeah. What a uh, little teaser. And yeah. What company were you with? I was with GP entertainment. GP. GP. I've never heard it. I was, I was with Deggy for years. Oh, of course. I, to, I know Ari, you know, Ari, great guy. Yeah. yeah. Ari also repped one of, uh, rep, rep one of my best friends, Leslie Pike, who was a singer from, okay. from Canada. Um, but yeah, I'd see Ari all the time. I work with Ari still um, That's awesome. on some random gigs. So the colleges, I mean, as as you know, like that whole world, you know, like uh, if you have a good showcase where you you do your thing and, you know, you're on and it happens yeah. to be like this perfect little 15 minute set, you can book up 80 shows, you know? Oh, yeah. And that became like that validation. Within a year, I kind of had pivoted and was doing colleges and, um, you know, kind of out of this little... Uh, I was, I was feeling like creatively, like, woe is me. Like, why am I, I didn't see a way out of doing kids' birthday parties. And I loved, I loved it. But when you're, when you're like really, when you're hung over doing a kid's birthday party, <laughs> it's not a good experience for anybody. <laughs> what was the transition from the college performances to, you know, what was your first TV gig? When did that happen? Well, I think I started doing, doing college is pretty, pretty, like full on like around 2005 i'd say by 2007 um i started doing these guest spots on the rachel ray show oh nice that was one of my this tastes like something rachel would do this is some good stuff <laughs> i love rachel and uh her show came out probably it was probably 2007 started like doing it was, like buddy correspondent did like 20 different spots and that helped me like put together a little a reel of of footage to pass around, you know, it kind of becomes a snowball. You're like, okay, this is my reel yeah. now. Oh no, that reel got me a couple other things. And, you know, honestly, like it's a lot of random stuff too, mixed among like touring colleges all year round. So like, a ra you know, cu Cupcake Wars eventually, I think it was like in 2010, you know, like these random hosting auditions, just cause I, I kind of was through this phase of like, don't say no to anything, say yes, yeah. see what'll happen. You never know, just, just, just say yes. You know what I mean? Um, cause you know, we can, you can hem and haw, you know, oh, I got an email about doing a lobster and beer show. Just say yes. Just, you know, because, uh, yeah. life's too short and saying yes to things like really kind of, you know, began a, a streak of just positivity and you're just kind of doing it and you're doing your thing. I don't think I really phased out of colleges until like 2015 or something. Like it was just something that I, I I enjoyed doing it. It was a market where I was able to do the show that I that I kind of really wanted that I would like to watch, as opposed to yeah. you know I'm being you know being a a kind of funny tongue in cheek children's entertainer versus like oh I can kind of like try to figure out who the heck I am when I'm just performing for people my age on stage. So that yeah. was, that was important too. And then I started doing comedy clubs, and uh, that was like a real good uh, prep test you know training ground to obviously figure out how to do magic in a place that people weren't used to seeing magic or often didn't 
even expect to see magic and make that work and also try to be as funny as you are as you are good at magic all at once uh, but with that being said too so because uh, magic and hosting although communicating with people and stuff they're still very different did you want to be in like when you were taking those auditions and say yes did you want to be kind of an actor as well i thought i mean i was never like um uh like i did plays in high school and and stuff like i I was never, I never thought I was really, really good at playing anyone different than myself. Like the idea of acting, like kind of sounds, it sounded uh, like, oh, this could be fun. But often like it was way more, I wasn't as, I wasn't that, I'm not a great actor, but also it was like a lot of stress and anxiety, like to try to be good at this thing that I didn't feel at home being versus when a role, like a hosting role, it's kind of like, yeah, we're, we're, we are, we want you to come act as yourself. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. And then you can kind of skew that. Like sometimes I will, I'll have little bit parts that come up where I essentially get to play myself. And then, then it's just a matter of like, Oh, just get out of your way and say, you know, say the words. But yeah, I never, I was, I was pretty realistic about never that I wasn't like a, a brilliant thespian, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but I did try. I do have a one word cameo on the Gilmore girls that. Do you really? Uh huh. Not just oh, one line, wow. one word. One word? We're gonna, we're we're gonna, gonna find it. it. We're gonna find <laughs> it and we're gonna clip it right here. <laughs> right here. here right here. Right now. Right now. Yeah, here it is. Boom. Here it is. Oh. Freshman. <laughs> that was the word. <laughs> Do you remember the word? Freshman. <laughs> Freshman. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. Um so with with your magic, man, um, you know, in in music, all artists, you know, have some influence from the older generations that, you know, they listened to, fell in love with, obsessed with, and they internalize their style, their sound, their writing, and then through their own filter of their heart, their spirit created their own music and I'm curious in creating your own style, who has been your biggest inspirations? Yeah, man. It, I often make a parallel uh, comparison between magic and music and I'm, and I, I would love to be a, a musician. I'm a huge music fan, but I, I imagine magic and music are similar in that you learn, you learn uh, the notes or the chords and in magic, you learn the moves you know, the, the, the slights, and then you learn other people's songs and you learn other people's tricks. You know, you kind of yeah. figure out how to recreate the trick out of the box. So here's how this guy does that. Let me do that. You know, and you kind of become a cover. It's like a cover trick. Mm -hmm. Most magic tricks are covers of other tricks. You know what I mean? But like, and in music, you know, for there are amazing people who are cover artists, but then to understand, Oh, like I know how they, I get it. Let me put these notes in a different order, make a new song, Let yep. me put these moves in a different order, make a new trick, or instead of doing it with a, with a, you know, a cup and a ball, do it with a marshmallow and a solo cup or whatever that might be, you know? And for me, yeah. like, that's where in magic, like, it's funny. Cause there's like, like in music, you can, it feels like there's an infinite number of songs, even though everyone's using the same notes. And in magic, I feel like, it's it's about making the tricks um, metaphors or or ways of telling a story about something new. Like while there might be 
it'd be a classic trick. I like putting a new, a, a new, you know, uh, sticker on it and a new label and it kind of becomes a new thing. So I gravitated towards people like Harry Anderson, who was a great comedy magician, uh, and star of night court back in the day okay. yeah. as, as like a, um, um, kind of like the, the ideal mold of taking, like doing really good magic while also being really funny, you know, yeah. Jonathan really, really funny, but also kind of spoofing magic, you know, not necessarily doing good tricks to blow your mind. He's, he's kind of spoofing the art form. Um, Darren Brown is a British mentalist who now I kind of, um, you know, am, am, am very inspired by just his approach to storytelling with mentalism and figuring out a way to take an old trick, but make it feel relevant now. Um, that's my, I mean, it's like every day it's like, you know, kind of, it, I don't, it's not about what trick do I want to do. I'm trying to think like, what, 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 what is an authentic, like, what do I have to say about life that magic is my means of saying, you know, like, magic. yeah. Has it become, has it become harder or easier as you've gone through the years of being in this profession? Mm. You know, it's become, it's become easier in the, in the in the essence of like i discovered probably right before right, right when we were about to start making magic for humans was like when i had now been on the earth long enough to feel like i have some life experience with enough uh hindsight to have say, have anything to say about and also like i've i've been on stage enough hours now to know how to feel kind of comfortable in my own skin saying what actually comes to my mind as opposed to doing other people's jokes uh, yeah. that I realized like, Oh man, like authenticity is the way to go. Like trying to, you know, in magic for humans, obviously like having it come from being a new dad, doing stuff about fatherhood, about being married, about, you know, the things that are actually true at the moment, because it felt like that was relatable. And also like the only thing that I had any authority on is like the things that I'd experienced. And I think all of us, you know, like, yeah, if no one can take that away from you. So uh, it felt like a good place to draw from, but it is also harder because now like there's a, like it, I have this amazing team I put together for magic for humans. And I have like a, a brain trust that I kind of like to bounce ideas off of all the time. And you know, it, you do feel like sometimes you've run out of tricks to tell the stories that you have, like, like, oh, I've done that. I've done that. So it's, it's um, yeah, that was one of my questions, man. So it's frustrating. Normally, do the tricks come and then the story you kind of build after off of something you've lived through or do the tricks come after a story that you've been through and you're like, Oh man, I could build a cool trick off this experience I've had. It's like literally a 50, 50. It is. And yeah. Like sometimes there's a, yeah, it, it, it just, there has to be something that I, I, an idea that I, an idea or a trick that I just love that I can't stop thinking about. Because if it's just an idea, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to, and this was an idea for like five years trying to figure this out. There's an old um, ruse called the psychic surgery, you know, where it, like um, this was kind of a, a scam, I think in the 70s where, you know, there were kind of a shaman who could remove your, your uh, sick <laughs> organs, you know, via this weird, anyway, some people bought into it, but doing like a psychic surgery spoof about like removing people's 
microchips that the NSA has implanted in them. Uh, <laughs> yes, I love that one. So that like was an idea. I just love the idea, but I didn't know how to pull off the trick. And like <laughs> it was like trying to figure out, okay, what is the Beth? What does this look like? And it took a while until it was like <laughs> finally trial and error, and you kind of got the trick. But then there's like sometimes a trick that I just sometimes it starts with the trick, and I'm like, what could this be about? Um, and normally that's when it's like a really great, like a classic trick is. You know, I've got a tea kettle, name any drink, orange juice, pour it, orange juice, name any drink, beer, you know, and you're, it's called like any drink called for is this very old magic plot, which is awesome. Like it captures your imagination. You're like, oh, that would be, that's a dream. Like pouring. Yeah. So then it's like, how do I make that trick? Not use a tea kettle, make it uh, now, you know, and make it, you know, so we figured out a way to do it with a Starbucks traveler, like coffee traveler, you know? about how to sneak, sneak booze into the park. And if any, <laughs> any drink, um, and either way you go, like as long as you start with an idea that you love or a trick that you love that you want to make about something important, like you're, it's going to, it's going to land in a good place, you know, as opposed to ever trying to just do something for magic's sake for me, you know, like I never, yeah. there's, there's, there's so much amazing magic, but just doing a trick without any context feels like a, a, a waste. Yeah, what's the what's the longest time you've spent on creating a trick? It was probably that like microchip thing. It was like we tried to do it for my Comedy Central pilot, sleight of mouth that we did like in 2014, and the version we ended up trying to like it just wasn't it wasn't good enough. It wasn't like it didn't make the cut, but I I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then sadly now, of course, now it's more relevant than ever because people have you know like. I was, oh, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, it was, yeah. there was a simpler time where it was funny to do bits. So uh, yeah, Elon Musk, people. Elon Musk has canceled you. At this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's rough. It's rough. It's like, uh, <laughs> there were simpler times where doing bits, making fun of conspiracy <laughs> hysteria was, was adorable. And <laughs> you're basically, but you were almost like a fortune teller at that point. I guess. I mean, sometimes that's what's, what's interesting about magic is like when it's done really, really well. Like the best case scenario is that people think that it's well, that it's not, it, it looks, it's not magic. He's saying it's magic to, cause he has to, but it's like, we really like, he's saying we're chipped, you know, or we're, or doing a bit like, <laughs> it really looks like, you know, like I want to, if I'm doing a mind reading bit, like obviously I want it to look and feel as real as possible. But then when you do your job there, there's a contingent of people who, really believe it's real and yeah honestly, you're... i get emails from people saying like i know you have to say it's fake but like and then they'll start quoting random like oh no your twitter mentions must be crazy stuff. crazy yeah. <laughs> but uh, with that being said too so with tech i know you've said you know magic is kind of like you know changing the order of things and stuff but when technology has become so big and you've done a great job at embracing technology um do you do you enjoy more like you know is are you using old methods for these tricks with new technology is that new stuff do you prefer old school versus you know using technology is there a preference in that yeah i i mean it, there are you know i don't think i'm giving anything away but I, obviously we we live in a tech such a technologically incredible time where like there are high tech magic methods to do a lot of like stuff to pull off some incredible things but there's something about the unreliability of technology that just i feel like it's just a bad way to go like there's nothing like there's so many 
the, the, the more high tech the world gets, the more diabolical a very low tech method seems. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh man, yeah, I programmed all this code to enable me to know like where you live, you know, like with if you open your, like whatever, there's some apps that could do cool stuff, but it's like also just like, there are simple mind reading techniques using a pen and paper that can, will, will astound you because you won't believe that it's so rudimentary. Like we almost take for granted that sleight of hand exists. I was at the Magic Castle last night for the first night in like two mm. years. And it's this magic nightclub in LA where- um, Yeah, that was, we yeah, lived right down the street from that. Yeah, oh, and Franklin, yeah, of course. You never invited us though. Damn. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I lived off Wilton. That's where, that's where I lived oh, in yeah. the Wilton Hilton. Yeah, when you read the Wilton, <laughs> when you first moved there, that's when awesome. I first moved there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which explains why I might have had some shady neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, Franklin, Franklin Argyle has has many shady neighbors as yes. well. Oh, that's a cool neighborhood. That's cool. But Magic Castle, like the magic act that killed the hardest, like the crowd was whipped into a frenzy, is this magician, Dan Birch, who I saw and idolized as a kid. And he's doing a dove act where it's silent to music. And it's just like, boom, dove, dove. Here's one dove. Boom, two doves. The doves are a puppy now. Like really crazy in your face stuff. And it's the same act that I saw him do 25 years ago. And it's like, it was an instant standing ovation because it's just so like, like I think it's people don't, a lot of people don't see live magic enough. So they're not prepared for how incredible good magic is. Like it's like life-changing, invigorating. Like it makes you feel like a kid. You're like, I need to, I need to come back here tomorrow, you know? Yeah. And I think you don't feel that way when there's any hint of tech involved because it just feels like it's hard to give you the credit for this because I, I can't trust it, you know? So that's why it's yeah. best to stay away from it. But I like using tech as a premise, but not as a Oh, method. of course. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it's very similar. You know, it's the idea of listening to a song in your headphones and going to the live show. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a different feeling. You get to see yeah. it live and, and to be able to like, to sit there and not being a musician and just being a fan of music to sit there and listen to a song and be like, Oh, that violin sounds cool. You know, yeah. you don't even really point it out, but then you see the actual playing and the passion that comes behind it on stage. Great. Uh, you know, band to call out like Dave Matthews band. Right. It's like, you hear them on record and you're like, cool you go see them live your mind is blown yeah. with what's happening on that stage and i was showing your stuff to my brother and we were watching magic for humans and he was like dude he was blown away but i was like man watch this though and i put on some some live shows that you did and he saw that and that's when his mind was fully blown and i think that is the beauty and what you just called out is taking it back to when we were kids and, and that childhood feeling of just like the unknown and the excitement, that's the beauty that you bring to it. And that's not easy. Not that I know how to do yeah, it. Not but, at all. <laughs> yeah, but zero. But you're doing so many tricks all the time. And you're, you're on, you know, you're, you're on different shows. You're, performing live you're performing for magic for humans so you have to plan these things and these things don't take a lot of time so it takes a lot of dedication effort and hard work and my question is for our listeners and maybe even kids who are coming up in the game and want to work in magic do you have like a daily routine like how do you get into that mindset to perform at such a high level 
and continue with the work ethic that you have doing all the producing and creating the magic yeah. and the hosting and everything. Well, you know, um, it's like uh, the creating magic for the TV, like for magic for humans, like it just, it's like a, a hungry beast that because when people are watching a screen, their attention, you know, it has to get to the point, it has to happen quick. And there has to be kind of a, a quantity, like a, a tricks per minute or a joke per minute thing to like keep us riveted. And when I'm live on stage, just like you were saying, listening to a track or being on stage and seeing, you know, Dave, Dave's songs can go on way longer than he would ever have them go on the record. Because when you're there live, like you're eating it up. Like I, you know, like I might have a routine that's like, wow, this is like 15 minutes because it's like when you've got you when you're killing, you're, you're milking the laugh here and there and then oh, yeah. it up. And it's like in the moment, but, but uh, on TV, you know, like, if you're, you have mm-hmm. to cater to someone kind of disengaged on the couch, you know, and yeah. that will eat up like so much magic and material. And I find at those times, like when we're making a season of the show, like we might write a trick the night before we're shooting it. And it's kind of like, I'm half leaning on like, uh, just muscle memory. Like, uh, let me just fake it till you make it pray that, you know, your, your, your body can, you know, figure out the things you have to do, but also often leaning on just like skills that I learned when I was a kid or in high school or in college, like the stuff when your when your brain is uh, malleable and you can learn a new skill really, really quick, you know, like luckily a lot of the magic skills I learned back then still somehow managed to apply and let me dress them up in different ways. But the, yeah, the work ethic thing, at the beginning, we were talking about like, oh, the thing, you know, when you, once you hit the thing that you want to do, like, oh yeah, I wanted to become a, do colleges and boom, doing colleges. And then, oh, you know, dream is to like create a show that I can make on TVs uh, and, and you kind of hit that. But once you're, when you're in it, you know, you never like take a moment to like, I mean, yes, there are moments where you're like, oh, good. Achieve that goal feels good, but you're very often like swept into well, what's what's next? You know, I got to what's next? Yeah, gotta keep this beast. Like, this feels good. Feels like now we're do just you, getting started. Then it's like, oh, that means there's a lot more work, and you do, do you, have to like let yourself pat yourself on the back. You kind of have to let yourself enjoy like any every little plateau that happens because it might that might be the the highest peak. It might be it might it would suck if like it kind of all faded in a different direction after that, and you didn't even enjoy it when it was happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Um, it is tough. Building a team is important, but I think whatever it is you do, music, magic, uh, art, like, or comedy, you know, it's very much that 10,000 hours, like just yeah. find an audience. Like I would, I would do, whether it was the kids' birthday parties and doing magic at like a Denny's every Wednesday that I used to do when I was in high school, like doing, doing what you do in a place where like it, it is not an ideal situation, you know, like I would do nooners at colleges but like at 11 a.m. Uh, and they're eating food. They didn't even know there was going to be a magician. And yeah. if you can figure out a way to like shine yeah. in that setting. Yeah. yeah, if you can figure out a way to shine when you are it, – when it is not ideal, then you're going to have no trouble when it is, you know. Yeah, I love that. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a message for kids who are coming up in, in the – the game right now that that want to be at your level magic game (laughs) (laughs) when i was saying that i was like oh man i was trying to think of a different way to describe it but yeah yeah who what do you got for the kids in the magic game right now i mean or in any game i mean in any creative game it's kind of like uh 
I get really bummed whenever I hear like of somebody who was truly talented, but who were, who was talked out of pursuing it because the people around them didn't think it was a great idea. And unfortunately they, they thought that that, that opinion mattered, you know, like if you really believe that you have something unique and special to share, or at least believe that like, maybe it's not great, but this is kind of why I feel this is, this is where I feel most alive. Like you kind of just have to do that thing and not listen to anything around you. I was very lucky to have, supportive parents who kind of wanted me to still go to college and get a degree, you know, like, you know, had those fallback plan uh, uh, suggestions, but also like really loved that I found something unique and um, special. And I think like, especially these days, man, write what you know, create, create your thing, but also trust your, your gut. If, if you think you've, this is what you're here to do, then nobody else's opinion matters. Cheers to that. Cheers, man. absolutely. I love that. That's that's strong. Cheers, brother. I got one more question for you before we go. I know, I know, you got to run. What um, you got? I'm gonna drink this. I'm gonna drink this butter. <laughs> you gotta drink the butter. <laughs> Congealed. <laughs> Hello, butter. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, Justin, if you had an autobiography written about your life today, what would the title be? Boy. Oh man. Magician on a mission. Magician on a mission. I love it. I love that. I love it. Cheers to that, brother. Justin Wilman, we love you, man. Thank you so much for joining on the show. It's been amazing. You guys are the best. Thank you guys. Absolutely. Make sure to go check out Justin's show, Magic for Humans. He's live. You're on tour right now. I'm on tour right the- now. Magic for Humans in person. So a bunch of dates on my website, justinwilman.com. Come Justin see Magic. Will. Yeah, come see the uh, the Dave Matthews live version of my magic. <laughs> <laughs> It'll honestly be even more captivating. I can guarantee that. Man, it's captivating. It's very true. Cheers, brother. Cheers. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. I know we got kicked out of the bar. They called last call, but we're back. And I just want to let you know, we appreciate you guys so much. Our fan base means everything to us. So if you can, hit the like button, subscribe right here, and hit us up on Instagram, socials, everything. Lobster and Beer TV. We love you. We will see you on the next episode. Peace!